Right, good morning guys. I hope you're doing well today. And I just wanna send love to you wherever you are. If you're watching this in Durban, somewhere in South Africa or around the world, I just wanna send huge love to you and say we miss you and I hope you're doing really, really well. Before I jump into today's message, just an update on us meeting in person as a church. I know after President Ramaphosa's announcement last Sunday, some of you are wondering what our plan is going forward with in-person gatherings. And really in a nutshell for now, we are not going to be able to meet in March as a church. Glenridge Church have got a bunch of things that they are doing on Sunday nights uh, and just the, the venue is not available to us this month. So we're gonna have to see how things go and I just wanna thank you guys for your flexibility and resilience over this last year as things have been changing and up and down and uh, yeah, just uncertain. Um, and I think even at the moment, as things open up right now, we don't know what's gonna happen with the third wave. There could be some openings and closings and openings and closings over the next while, uh, which definitely makes it tricky for us with planning and organizing everything. But thank you for your flexibility. So since we're not gonna be able to meet in March in person, we'll update you with developments about April and going forward forward but I want to encourage you to make your Sundays a vibe. Uh, church at home can be such a fun thing and I know we've spoken before about getting a few other people around in your home for church at home, share a meal together, watch the service together, worship and discuss the preach and pray for one another, turn it into like a real fun time together in your home. Uh, I really want to encourage you to push into that over the next while and just have some fun with church at home while we meet like this. We don't know how long this is going to go on and we also uh, I can just imagine us in a few years time looking back and thinking, remember when we used to gather as a church in our homes and watch Grant on YouTube on Sunday mornings and we'll shake our head and I don't know, our kids won't know what YouTube is or whatever it is. But this morning, if we can carry on with our series, we're, we're in a series called Essentials and we're spending three weeks looking at some big ideas, some really key ideas to life and faith. So last week we looked at identity, who we are in Christ. Today we're looking at belonging, who we are in the new family of God. And next week we're looking at purpose, you know, what our new mission is in Jesus. And last week I spoke about this idea of our new identity in Jesus. And if you missed that talk, I, I really want to encourage you to go back and watch it or listen to it, not just for this series, but I think it is such a foundational thing for our lives. Actually understanding how the gospel impacts our identity and just the relevance and the applicability of the gospel to all of life, understanding who we are, our new life in Jesus. It's so, so key. But today we're into part two and we're talking about belonging, which is all about our new life in the new family of God in the church. And I think this is also a very key message. Now, everyone wants to belong to something. I'm sure a lot of you would have watched the TED talk or might have read the research, but Harvard University completed an 80-year study that began in 1938 that's been called the most comprehensive studying of well-being ever performed. And in, in those 80 years, they tracked the lives of a whole bunch of men and their families uh, until many of them died. And they really asked the question about, you know, what is the thing that will make you happier and healthier than anything else? And they found one thing. Can you guess what it is? It's relationships, relationships, community, belonging, connection. And I'm sure for many of us, we know that instinctively, or we felt that over the last year as we've been separated from some of the people that we love and like the most. 
And this is one of the priorities we see through scripture again and again and again. One of the verses that I still remember being preached for the first time, the first time I heard this uh, verse read is Psalm 68 verse 6. It says, God puts the lonely into families. God puts the lonely into families. And I love that verse. And if you're watching this today and you're not part of a church family or you're not a Christian, you're looking in on the faith, you're looking at what it means to follow Jesus and you're feeling lonely and you felt isolated during lockdown, I want you to know that one of the things that God wants to do with your life is he wants to put you into a family where you belong and where you have a place and where you have a purpose. And one of the things we used to say a lot on Sundays as a church, you know, in the good old days, was that church is not just an event you attend, but a family that you belong to. I'm sure a lot of you remember that. It's etched into your souls now. But we haven't said that too often recently because this isn't really a problem that we're dealing with. This isn't something we struggle to believe. You know, we haven't had many church events. We haven't had many Sunday church gatherings in the last year. So it's not that we're struggling to believe that church isn't just a place. It's not just an event. No, for many of us, we've been forced to learn, not theologically, but just practically through experience. The church must be more than just a meeting I go to or a place that I attend. Church has to be the community of God's people that are connected together, that belong together, that are united in Jesus, that love and enjoy Him, and that are part of the same mission in the same place. And really this morning, it's that idea of belonging that I want to talk about. Now, belongingness is this human need to be an accepted member of a group. Psychologists say that a sense of belonging is a feeling of connectedness to some type of group or community. And that's something we all want, you know. None of us wants to be rejected or excluded. None of us wants to be an outsider looking in on what's going on. We, we want to be a part of it. We want to be accepted. We want to belong. We want to be invited. We want to be included. And I think speaking about belonging this morning is tough. Honestly, this is a tough time to talk about the subject after the year that we've had. You know, we haven't met in person for more than a year now. And now I'm saying to you, yeah, March, we're not going to be meeting in person again. We had some time at the end of last year. But other than that, we've been very separated. We've been significant periods where we haven't been able to spend time together or actually the amount of time has been limited. And now when we do see each other, it looks different. You know, warm hugs have been exchanged for kind of brief little elbow bumps. Um, just friendly smiles have been exchanged for eyebrow raises with masks kind of covering our mouths and faces. Seeing each other on Sundays every week has turned into seeing me on your screen on Sunday every week, which I'm so sorry for guys. It's really not the way I would choose it to be. But our sense of belonging in the family of God has looked different this last year. And we've all experienced that. We've all paid a price for that in different ways. I think if I can share something of our story, on, the Feb on um, February 25th last year, our daughter August was born. She's our first child. She spent the first week of her life in ICU. It was not our choice for, you know, it wasn't our birth plan. And when she came out of the ICU and out of hospital, she got to meet some of you. But then before we knew it, a few days later, we went into a very hard level five lockdown. And for the first few months of her life, really the only people she spent time with was Shell and I and our nurse, Jenny Johnson, when she went and saw her. And that was hard. You know, this baby was our pride and joy. We wanted to share her with the world. And really, it was just the two of us that were spending time with her. I think even harder than that was that our parents live in the same city as us. They're, they're in Durban, they're close by, and this is their only grandchild that lives here in the city. The others are in Hong Kong in the UK. 
And now they are missing out on the first few months of this little girl's life. They're not seeing her developments, these milestones. They can't be with her or babysit or bring her presents or, or any of that. And some of our closest friends only met her in June or, or whenever things started to ease up. Her first church service was the, was the 11th of October last year, Shell's birthday, incidentally. And this is a pastor's kid, a PK. August has had the most spotty church attendance for any pastor's kid of all time. It's terrible. And I just share that to say when it comes to belonging and church community and church family, this last year is not normal and it's not the way things are supposed to be. And I just share our story because I know you've got your version of that story and your version of loss and pain in this last year. We're living in a time of disconnected belonging. Belonging is hard at this time. And we're feeling that. We feel disconnected. We feel lonely. We feel depressed. We feel weary. Or a mix of those or maybe one or two of those. So today as I speak about belonging, I don't want to talk about our current situation. Instead, I want to talk about the biblical picture of belonging. I want to hold that up for us and remind us of it and call us to fight for that even in this time of disconnection so that we don't drift too far from it. Because belonging in the new family of the church is still essential for us. You know, we are made for community and God has designed us to belong. In his amazing book, When the Church Was a Family, Joseph Hellerman says this, The idea of salvation cannot be reduced to a personal relationship with Jesus. Do you hear that? It cannot be reduced to just a personal relationship with Jesus. God's plan is much more encompassing. God intends for salvation to be a community-creating event. And that's what we see throughout the scriptures, that God is making a people. He's uniting them around Christ and gathering them together to be with him and to do his work in the world. And in the letter to the Thessalonians, I've been amazed at this relational family language, this language of belonging that Paul uses throughout the letter. Let me read you just a few verses from 1 Thessalonians 2. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil we work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you, while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Your witnesses in God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Do you see the language used there? In verse 7, Paul describes himself as a pastor, as a nursing mother taking care of her children. I've been to a bunch of pastors' events. I've been to a bunch of church conferences. I've never heard a pastor talk about the pastor as a nursing mother. But that's what Paul says there. Or verse 8, he talks about being affectionately desirous of you. Not just sharing the message of the gospel, but their own lives. And the fact that the church had become very dear to us. He calls them in verse 9 brothers and in verse 11 he speaks about their relationship being like a father with a child. This is warm family language. This isn't cold, corporate, um, formal language that he's using here. And as we look at that, that has to change the way we think of the church and our involvement in the church. You see, if we see the church as a business rather than as a family, 
then Sunday gatherings and church events become products that we consume for our own enjoyment, you know, and we become the consumers who take advantage of these offerings. And that means that we are always shopping around as consumers for the best deal that's out there, for the best product at the best price, the least inconvenience, whatever meets our needs the most. That's not what we see in the scriptures. You know, the church is not a business. The church is a family. And that means that our way of approaching the church and engaging with church and the role that we play in the church must be defined in terms of that. Now, as we spoke about last week, to become a Christian is to take on a new identity that is rooted in Jesus. It means we've got a new father in heaven. And, and this is so key to today's message, We also have new relationships with our brothers and sisters in the church. But this all begins with Jesus. You know what Christ has accomplished for us, dying on the cross in our place for our sins, that is the thing that makes us belong. Firstly, in Jesus, you belong to God. You are God's child. You are adopted into God's family. And we take on a new identity in Him. But secondly... We now also belong to one another in the church. Yes, we are all adopted, but we're adopted together into the same family, the family of God. And this adoption isn't something that's earned based on what we do. And it's not something that we can lose based on what we do or don't do. Like, I hope you've taken that in. We don't earn our adoption or our belonging based on what we do. We don't lose it based on what we do or don't do. Jesus, not us, is the one who has made us belong in God's family. He's the one who's done all the work. So it's in Jesus that you belong to God. And it's in Jesus that you belong to the family of God, the church, too. Now in scriptures, the church is described in a number of different ways, using a bunch of terms. The church is called a bride, an army, a human body, a royal priesthood, a temple, and a bunch of other things too. And I love that because the idea of church does need multiple pictures to help us to take in the full scope of what it's all about. But family is the most consistent picture, the thing we see popping up again and again. And if this wasn't a sermon, if I was directing a movie today, this is where I would insert a family montage, complete with the right kind of emotional music to pull on the heartstrings, taking you to high highs and low lows, just the full scope of emotions in this video. And I'd do that just to paint something of a picture of all of what family is like, this life together inside a home with one another. And you can imagine the moments, you know, the the scene of the family around the dinner table and they're eating and drinking and laughing. There'd be those everyday moments where, you know, the kids are brushing their teeth at the sink. Uh, The adults are washing the dishes. Someone's taking the dog for a walk. They're chasing each other around the house. There's chaos and commotion. There'd be that cliche sitcom moment that you can picture so well where one of the kids does something silly and mom puts her hand on her hip and with a smile shakes her head. You know, oh, those kids, they go again. There'd be celebration moments, you know, a first day of school, a a birthday, promotion at work, a new house or a new car. There'd be annual traditions like Christmas lunch together with a family. And there the kids are opening presents and there's granny with a Christmas hat on looking all silly. There's dad carving the turkey. There'd be difficult moments with brother and sister fighting cat and dog, you know, at each other again. And then mom and dad having to have the difficult conversation, you know, disciplining them, uh, correcting their behavior and their attitudes. Or, or even more awkward, the difficult conversation of the birds and the bees. And mom and dad are cringing, talking about sex. And the kids are cringing because mom and dad are talking about sex. Or maybe it's just a continual coaching as the kids grow up. They're going through a different stage of life and are learning and growing and, and need to be mentored and shaped. 
then there'd also be the sadder moments of life, moments of loss with the loss of a family member or a pet, heartbreaking moments of bad news and pain. And all of these things together, these are the, the pictures of the montage of a normal family life. But through these ups and downs, there would be a constant love and commitment to each other, even when the family wants to throttle one another and can't stand being together, because that is family. And when we come to the idea of the church's family, so many of these home pictures are really helpful to us in understanding the ups and downs of church life. So, under normal non-COVID circumstances, what does belonging in the new family of the church look like? Let's look at four main things. Firstly, belonging in the church looks like new relationships. Now remember, I've already said that actually in this new identity we have, we have a new relationship with God as Father, but in the church we also have new relationships with our brothers and sisters. In Romans 12 verse 10, Paul writes, Love one another with brotherly affection. Now, if you're wired like me, as I read that, and this is really helpful for us as we come to the scriptures, just in the way we think and our own biases and upbringings. When I read that, what stands out to me is love one another, the love part. And this is so good. I mean, this is probably the key ethic of the New Testament, that we're called to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. We're called to love our neighbor as ourself. Jesus even says, love your enemies and pray for them. We're called to love everyone. So we read love one another here and Paul is speaking about love inside of the Roman church. You know, that is his context. He's writing to the church. But if for a second we can kind of de-emphasize that as important as it is and look at the second half of this verse that says with brotherly affection. Paul's describing the way we should love others. And this is probably different to the way we think. You know, he doesn't say here that the love that we should have for others should be the affection we show to a stranger or acquaintance or co-worker or neighbor or something like that. He doesn't say love one another in the way you would love a close friend, which could be a lot. Instead, Paul writes and says that the love that we have for one another in the church should be the same love that we have for a brother, for a member of our own family. This is a culture making command for the church. Now, the church is made up of this connected group of men and women from different backgrounds and classes and races and ethnicities and experiences and worldviews and all sorts of things, all coming together into one community where we practice loving one another as family despite our differences. It's absolutely beautiful and radical. I think the church, the idea of the church is the most breathtaking and beautiful thing I've ever heard of. And this command here of Paul's shapes how we relate and interact in the church. This defines our relationships. It creates the culture of the church, what the, the vibe of the church, the feel, the experience, the, the whole thing looks like. And this reveals something of the love of God. You know, amongst us, the way we are together with one another reveals the love of God to a watching world. And here what Paul says very simply is that the love we show to one another should be the same kind and the same quality of love that we would normally just reserve for our family, maybe our innermost family or closest friends, those nearest and dearest to us, that actually those in the church are our family too and should be loved in the same way. And I want to ask you today, please think about this and answer this for yourself. Do you love and value and prioritize the people of Harbor City Church in this way? Or maybe secondly, what would it look like for you to obey this verse or take this verse seriously? Secondly, belonging to the church means a new way of doing things. 
I'm sure you enjoy hearing the stories of other people's families and idiosyncrasies and quirks and things like that. Well, I was chatting to a friend of mine a while ago and he talked about this family holiday they had overseas. Remember when we could do that? And he was just talking about this one morning where they were around the table planning the day, talking about what they were going to do. And he said in the midst of this, his youngest sibling, his youngest brother, just cuts in and says, hey guys, you do you and I'll do me. I'm always nervous of the way I say that. If I get that wrong, it sounds really inappropriate. He just, he just cuts across it all. You do you and I'll do me. Okay, are we set? Like, I don't want to discuss this anymore. Let's just do our own things today. And my friend had to pull his brother aside and give him a bit of a head clap and say, come on, dude, like, this is a family holiday. We're here to make memories together. This is a time of compromise, not just doing our own thing. And we live in a culture that's pretty independent and pretty selfish. But the family of the church is not meant to look that way. It's not meant to operate in the same way that our world does. Because in the family of the church, we are learning to live out the new way of Jesus together in community. We're not just doing our own thing. We're not just out on our own mission. It's not just you do you and I'll do me. No, this means putting off our old ways of thinking and doing and learning God's new ways together. When Shell and I got married, we did the biblical thing. You know, you leave and you cleave. We started a new family unit together at Surrey Mansions, flat 53. And it was a beautiful time. We were in this small one-bedroom flat. It was beautiful. It had a lovely view. And we started our life there together as the Clark family. But obviously, at the same time, as much as that is biblical, there's the reality that I inherit her family, the Potters, and she inherits my family, the Clarks, and our family gets a little bit bigger. And that means that, yes, when we're at home on our own, we do things our way. But when we get together in these bigger family settings, you know, if we're with the Potters, we fit in with the Potter way. If we're with the Clarks, we fit in with the Clark way. And I'm used to my family's way. She's used to her family's way. But there were definitely some differences. You know, our families are pretty similar, but there were some differences and quirks and some getting used to. I remember one silly example was Christmas time. You know, the Clarks on Christmas Day, opening presents was absolutely wild. It was a flurry of activity. Everyone had their pile of presents and they opened them. It was just like scrambling and throwing wrapping paper in the air. There was like stuff floating all over the place. It was loud, it was messy, it was quick, it was over. And then you said thank you to everyone for the presents. In the Potter home, this was a very slow and thoughtful, English, respectful five-day event. Everyone watched each person individually open their presents while we each drank a cup of tea and ate a mince pie. And Shell's younger sister, Katie, she'd be on the carpet. She'd slowly dish out the presents to each person in turn. She'd read the tag. Okay, Grant, this is to you from so-and-so. And I'd open it and I'd put the wrapping paper down. I'd thank the person and then we'd move on to the next thing. The part away was different. It was slow and polite and long. And this took some getting used to. But when we're at the potters at Christmas time, we do things that way. And I've grown to enjoy and appreciate it. And in the church, we've got a group of people that come together to form this new family of God. And we've got all sorts of different backgrounds and upbringings and experiences and cultures and ways that come together. But as we come together, as we're adopted into God's family, we are all learning to live out the new way of the family of God. We're all learning to live out the new way of Jesus inside of his church. And the new way of God's family is beautiful and unique. It's holy and righteous and it's loving. It's pure and it's peacemaking and it's merciful and gracious and long-suffering. 
The way of God's family is selfless and humble. It's patient and kind. It's marked by worship and prayer. It's generous and seeks justice and serves others and invests into people and makes disciples and shares the gospel. We don't earn our way into belonging in this family by what we do, but there are certain ways, values, priorities, cultures that we are called to learn and live by as we become the family of God in the church. Let me end with one last point. Belonging in the church also means new responsibilities and new priorities. Now we all belong to something. I've already spoken about this. We belong to a family. Maybe you belong to a gym. Maybe you belong to some membership, discovery, vitality, or whatever it is. And belonging in each one of those different groups looks different. It requires something different of you. There's different expectations in each one of those groups. Now family, generally you don't have to pay to be part of, or maybe you pay in different ways. You don't pay financially, but maybe there are strong expectations or demands on you in your family. Some are much more chilled. What about Discovery Vitality? You know, I'm not a salesman for them at all, but I am a member of the Discovery Vitality plan and I pay for that service. And as long as I pay, they'll keep giving me my benefits and privileges. As soon as I stop, that debit order ends. You know what? My benefits are cut off. Or if you're in a sports team, you know, some teams are really serious about what they do, whereas others are really laid back. In the serious teams, you know, the expectations are high, they're clear. If you don't live by them, you're going to be benched or out of the team. Whereas in the more laid back teams, sometimes you don't have to shop for practice. You know, dress code's not that important. It doesn't matter how well you play on the day. It's all about having fun. Belonging differs based on the thing that you are belonging to, what you are a part of. And the expectations and responsibilities differ based on what you belong to. And this matters because belonging defines, you know, it looks different in each one of these different ways. And belonging in God's family is unique. It's not about what I can get from others. It's more about what I can give as a part of the family. Just as Jesus has freely served us and given us so much, his life, his death on the cross, his love, eternal life, all of those things, he's given those things to us freely, not because he wants to get something from us, but because he wants something for us. And I say that again, Jesus didn't die for us to get something from us. He died for us because of what he wants for our lives. Each of us have been gifted by God. In so many different ways and we're empowered by the Spirit to serve others. Each of us have got resources that we've been given to steward by God for the sake of His glory and His kingdom and we're all called to play our part in our own unique ways. Tim Keller says everyone says they want community and friendship but mention accountability or commitment to people and they run the other way. As a pastor I've seen this to be true. People want community, they want fun, they want relationships, they want people, they want family, the stuff that we're talking about, but they want it on their own terms. They don't necessarily want the responsibility and commitment that comes with all of that. But belonging to God's family is both. It's the gift and privilege of family, community, and people, but it also comes with a responsibility of serving and playing your part and certain priorities that are linked to the family of God. You know, every family has different responsibilities. Every family has different priorities. Maybe in your family, the priorities look like a Sunday lunch together or a yearly family holiday or certain traditions or habits that you've got. In the church, it's the same. 
In the church, we prioritize certain things. It's Sunday gatherings, life groups, certain events or camps together. We prioritize being together as God's people to worship and pray and enjoy fellowship and the teaching of the word and communion and all of those things. This is a priority and it was a priority for Jesus too. Now, when Jesus walked this earth, when he was here, he did the same thing. Luke 4 verse 16. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, did not need to go to church. You know, when I think about his need, this was not a need for him. I mean, he was a God. Uh, he was perfect in every way, sinless and uh, perfect. He didn't need to go to church. Secondly, he didn't need to, sit to listen to someone like me teach the word of God. It was his word. He didn't need to learn God's ways. He was God. He knows the ways. They are his ways. He didn't need to go and sing songs, you know, in praise of himself. He was the one being praised and he, less than anyone else, needed the fellowship and community of a group of people. But Jesus sets us the example that we are called to follow in and it says, as was his custom. For Jesus, he had the church meetings, the the priorities of the people of God in his calendar. He said, I don't want to miss those things because these are important to me. These are important to God. These are important to the new community that I'm a part of. Jesus belonged. He was a committed family member who lived out his identities and responsibilities within his church. And Jesus calls us to do the same. Now you can't get away from this as we look at all of these things together. That you can't do church on your own. You can't be a Christian without belonging to a local church. And you can't obey the the community commands, the 53 one another commands of the New Testament, unless you are an active part of a local church community. God has designed the church incredibly to shape each of us into uh, more and more becoming like Jesus, which means that you need the church. We are a gift to you and that we need you. You are a gift to us. Belonging in the family of God and following Jesus looks a certain way. It involves new relationships with our new brothers and sisters in the family of God. It involves new ways of doing things, God's ways, not our own ways, not our old ways. It involves new responsibilities and priorities. Let me end with this. Never in my wildest dreams did I think we would be living through what we're going through now. Um, I've recently read Dan Carlin's book, The End is Always Nigh, which is about different pandemics and um, events that have happened in our world that look like they could end everything. And I've been amazed that I didn't know all of the different epidemics and pandemics that have hit our world and how significantly uh, they've impacted and shaped the globe. But it's been interesting to learn that. I never thought something like COVID-19 and the lockdown that's happened would happen to us, stopping us from gathering together in person as a church. I thought maybe one day we would face persecution for our faith and our beliefs, which would mean that we couldn't meet with the freedom that we enjoy in South Africa as believers. We couldn't have big Sunday gatherings, that we'd meet in homes, that we'd be pushed underground. We could experience you know, persecution for our faith. But I never saw a multi-year global pandemic like this. And my hope for each one of us is that in the midst of the loss and pain we've experienced individually and together as a church, you know, not being able to meet together, not being able to pray together and worship together and learn together and be together, all of those things that God is forming in us a deep value for belonging, that we would never again take for granted the privilege of belonging to a church and being able to gather in person together 
to do the things that a church does, that we would commit ourselves in a fresh way to the relationships that are in the church with our new brothers and sisters in the family of God, that we would repent where we need to of the attitudes and behaviors that we've had that haven't bought into the way of the family of God, and that our value and priority for Jesus' church will be formed in our hearts and our minds and our behavior more and more that each of us would play the role that God has called us to play within this community. If you are part of Harbor City listening to this today, I want to ask you, what is the Spirit convicting you of? What is He speaking to you about? What is He highlighting about this? And how are you going to respond? And if you're watching this from somewhere else, or you're not part of our church, or you're not part of a church, can I encourage you to join a church where you are actively involved, where you are a part of the community, where you are known and where you serve and where you play your part. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray for everyone listening to this. I pray for Harbor City Church that you would help us to belong. Lord God, this has been a a year of disconnection. And I pray even today you'd set a fresh vision for us in terms of what it means to be a church as family, not a church as something else. I thank you, Lord, that you'd speak to us about what we need to do to belong and serve and play a role and use our gifts and all of those things. And Lord God, I thank you that even now as we hold up this biblical ideal, uh, Jesus, that you have brought us together in you. We are in Christ and we are in a new community because of you. And Lord, we just say, have your will. Work out your plans in Harbor City. Work out your plans and your will in each one of our lives, we pray. And we ask that it would bring you glory in Jesus' name.